Sunday I talked about, um, you know, I pity the fool. We started a new series, I pity the fool, uh, and, and we talked about, um, you know, reason to believe there is a God. So what I thought I'd do is uh, today I'd say, all right, when we look at Scripture, what is God like? And so that's what we're going to look at. So let me open this prayer. Father, thank you so much for these guys. What a joy it is just to uh, uh, hang out with them, laugh a little bit uh, as we journey into the summer. Uh, God, now as we open your words, um, as your word today, and, and we look at uh, uh, who you are, who Scripture tells us you are, uh, God, I pray that we would glean some insights uh, as well as some encouragement uh, as, we, um, as we search your word and see, uh, see God, um, how we can be in more of an awe of an awesome and amazing God and the awesome and amazing God that we serve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, when we, when we begin to talk about what is God like, uh, if we think, is there a God? We talked about that uh, on Sunday. But what is God like? Uh, it says, Thus saith the Lord, this is Jeremiah speaking, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Guys, if we're going to boast in anything, it's that uh, it should be that we're growing in our knowledge of God and His Word and uh, His faithfulness and how we should walk and how we should live. And so if we are going to boast, don't, don't boast in your intellect or your IQ or your wisdom. Don't boast in your money. Don't boast even in your might or your strength. But boast in the fact that you know God. Uh, you know, Sunday we talked about uh, just some categories of people. If you are a theist, you believe there's a God. Uh, if you are an agnostic, you don't know if there's a God. Uh, you're, you're not going to say definitively, yes, there's a God, or no, there's not a God. Uh, if, um, uh, if you're an atheist, you definitely say, there's not a God. And that's what uh, the psalmist used that Hebrew word. Uh, Let not the, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. We don't want to be called foolish. Uh, there's another term out there you'll hear from time to time called polytheists. They believe there are many gods. And so uh, wherever you are in that spectrum, God's word is very clear uh, that we serve one true God. But what is that God like? And so I'm going to go over a couple of words. Maybe you've studied them before. Maybe you've heard them and you didn't really know what they're like or where they came from in Scripture. And they're called the omnis. Uh, we've called God, uh, you know, there are people that say God, it means all. That word omni means all or full or fully round. And so as we think about some of these, um, uh, some of these words, let me give you a couple of um, thoughts on this amazing God. Uh, but before we even jump into those, there are people who believe that there is a God, but they have some ideas about God that we don't see in Scripture. Uh, some people believe that God is kind of a, a spiritual force, uh, kind, of, kind of like karma that you tap into it, or uh, the Star Wars force that we see. And the truth is, God is not an impersonal force. Uh, God is a personal God who relates to us and uh, we're told in God's Word that He grieves sometimes. He can become angry, that He loves, He's compassionate, He's merciful. Uh, so God is not an impersonal force. Uh, others believe that God, um, and particularly there were, there were a number of what you would call um, uh, people who lived out the Bible. They would be from the Christian heritage and, and the founding of our, comp 
uh, country. They would have stepped back and acknowledged this world was created by a deity, but they would call him a distant deity uh, that was clearly powerful enough, but took our universe and wound it up kind of like a watch and just set it on the table and it's just ticking away. Uh, these guys were called deists. Some of our founding fathers were deists. Uh, that they didn't believe that God was personal. Does that make sense? They didn't believe that God came into our space and had relationship with us, and, and, and would, they would not have also accepted the fact that Jesus was fully God. They would have said he would God-like. And, and these, these were guys that, boy, they, they said clearly as you look at the universe, and these were wise men, if you look at the universe, clearly this didn't happen by chance. You know, you clearly, this, but do we believe that whatever God was out there that created this stepped into this universe or comes in as a personal relationship with us? They would say no that he would be a God that just wound it all up. They would say he's deist. He, he, he's, he created the world, and he's just kind of saying, tick away, all right? Tick away, go about it. Uh, there are others who, um, this, isn't, this actually made a, made a strong run for uh, a season. You may have heard about it. You may not have heard about it. But even though you don't hear it called this, uh, you hear people oftentimes use this terminology. This would be process theology, that they think God is in process, all right? And here's what they would say. You kind of see the God that created it all. Then you see the God in the Old Testament who's a mean, ogre, angry God. And then you come to the New Testament and he's a loving God. How many of you have at least heard that thought process? Those would be people that will say that God is a process, kind of in process. He's kind of getting better at this whole God gig, all right? Uh, he's getting better. In the Old Testament, you see that he's angry and he's mad. And you go to like Exodus 34, he says, Yet by no means will he leave the guilty unpunished. And then uh, he talks about the wrath of, you know, what God did against the Philistines. Then you come to the New Testament and God shows up as Jesus. And he's just gotten better at this thing. And he knows how to love and have compassion on people. I want you to know you don't find that in Scripture. You, you don't find that in Scripture. What you do find in the New Testament is because God invaded, as I said when we talk about good and evil this week, God stepped into our universe and the person of Jesus Christ. It's easier to see God in the flesh. Does that make sense? It's easier to see that He stands there and when Lazarus dies, it says He wept, right? And so we have a tendency to want to paint God uh, in a different light. But if you look in the Old Testament... Man, and we're going to look at some of these passages. God loves, loves in the Old Testament. God's just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God loves in the New Testament. God is just in the Old Testament. What did Jesus say right there in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount? Broad is the way that what? Yeah, y'all don't ever, y'all don't study that part, right? Yeah, y'all. Broad is the way that leads. How many of you think that sounds a little bit like judgment? But it came out of the words of Jesus. They, re, they, they neglect that. What do we focus on when it comes to Jesus? Boy, uh, uh, you know, he who is without sin cast the first stone, right? And then go away, I don't condemn you, they don't condemn you. And so there are those who, who kind of have this idea that God, he was creator, then he created humanity, and he's kind of getting more loving, and he's moving more and more towards the grandfather God, right? That's just kind of a, the yes man, right? You know, like, how, do you, how are we going to know your granddaughter? She's the prettiest one out there, right? Where God looks at us, and, uh, you know, Satan says, which ones are yours? Mine are the prettiest ones down there. And then we know that's a lie, because I look around. 
But uh, there are those who believe that God's kind of in process. He's getting better. Uh, there are others um, who we, we oftentimes have a myth based on who we are in our background. There are some people that just see God as kind of a superhuman manifestation of what we want him to be. There are some people that uh, if you hear them talk about God, um, God is like a celestial cop. He's always looking for you to run a red light and he's going to pull you over and he's going to write you a ticket, right? Don't, don't, there are some people that that's the way they see God. Uh, others see God as a compassion grandfather. Others see God as a mean ogre. Um, and we want to be cautious and careful about all of those things. God might have um, cop-like characteristics from time to time. God might have dad characteristics sometimes. He's called father most in scripture. But there are times that the father disciplines us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are times that, that he has a motherly compassion for his children uh, that we need to understand that. But we don't want to ever come to a place where we say that is all God is. Because if you take the whole spectrum, God is all of those things. And so today I want to give you four omnis. You've probably heard of them. And if you want to now jump, if we're not going to boast, uh, if we're not going to let the wise man boast in his wisdom, we're not going to let the strong man boast in his strength, and we're not going to let the rich man boast in our riches, what are we going to boast in? Let's boast in our amazing God who has all the wisdom you and I could ever need, all the wealth you and I could ever need, and all the power and all the strength that you and I could ever need. And so we're going to go to Psalm 139, and I'm just going to show you a couple of things. The first thing I want you to know is God is, and we're going to see this in the first few verses of Psalm 139, God is omniscient. Omniscient. You, uh, you might want to write that down. You may have heard that term before. How many of you have, is there anybody in here that's never heard that term? You've never heard that term. You've at least heard. All right, omni means all. It means full. It means complete. And then omniscient, he's all-knowing. That's what that word, omniscient, means God is all-knowing. He knows everything about the universe, and he knows everything about you and me. God is never caught unaware. When you kneel down in the midst of a trouble or midst of a difficulty, and you begin to pray to God, Nothing you pray catches God off guard. Uh, you, you don't ever pray and say, hey, God, I'm struggling financially. And God says, oh, I didn't notice that. All right. God knows everything. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, beginning uh, in verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise up. You, you perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down. You are, listen to this, familiar with all my ways. How many of you have noticed all the my's and I's and my's and I's? Well, guess what that means? That God knows every one of your thoughts, every one of my thoughts, uh, every time we get up, every time we lay down, every time we go in, every time we go out, every time we do well, every time we do poorly. He says, before a word is on my tongue, for some of you guys, this ought to be a warning shot right here. Before you even say it, before there is a word on my tongue, Lord, God knows it completely. Then he says, verse 5, you hem me in behind and before me. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to, me to attain. Now, 
What do we know about God's knowledge? Well, right there, we know that God's knowledge is personal, right? Uh, God does just, doesn't, he's not just a, um, a God that has total intellectual facts. God is personal in his knowledge. He knows everything about you and he knows everything about me. Uh, God knows how you and I were knit together, how we were, how we were made, what we're like. God knows our inclinations, and we're going to see you here in a few minutes. He loves us anyway. Now, that's the amazing God part, right? That God knows everything that is in our heart and loves us anyway and cares about anyway. But his knowledge is personal. His knowledge is not just a simple set of facts. He's not just a computer. He's not just a celestial computer. He knows everything, but he knows us personally, and he still loves us. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 30. He said, the very hairs of your head are numbered. All right, for some of you, that doesn't take God long, right? And, uh, but the reality of it is, I mean, God's knowledge is not just a universal knowledge, it's a personal knowledge. And guys, we always need to know that God knows everything you're thinking. God knows what you're struggling with. God knows where you are. And uh, a lot of times, the worst things we can do is when going through a struggle in life is to feel that we're isolated and alone. And what do we have a tendency to do? I mean, honestly, as men, what do we do? When we're going through a struggle, if you're like me, what do I do? I have a tendency to distance myself. I have a distance to isolate myself. Now, that's, that's when I'm going through a struggle. There are other people, and this is my, part of my brother's problem, is sometimes guys are going through struggles with addiction or sin or something like that. They, they have the same thing. What do they do? They isolate themselves. What's the worst thing you can do when you are battling a sin? It's go isolate yourself because then guess what? The man in you takes over, right? And it becomes an amazing battle. Guys, God knows everything about you. God knew everything about you before he sent his son to die for you. Think about that. If you ever sit there and you think, man, how could I do this? Or why do I do this? Or you're so unworthy of God's love. I want you to know the truth is all of us, every one of us are unworthy of God's love. Every one of us. But because of who God is, he loved us anyway. And so if you ever get to the place of the sense, can God still love me? The word still shouldn't be in there. God demonstrated his love for you before you and I were ever born when he sent his son over 2,000 years ago. So God has infinite knowledge. He knows everything about us. That's, that's why we should live in a season and a constant conversation with God of confession. I mean, just don't try to save them up until the night, guys, uh, and try to remember all your sins because God remembers them, all right? You and I don't, right? Uh, or, or remember them in the morning. Man, just as you're rolling through the day, say, God, man, I, you know, I'm just angry. And I want to confess that. And God's not going to go, oh, really? I had no idea. God's going to say, man, I know, and we need to deal with that, don't we? And so as we journey and as we think through the idea that God is omniscient, he has full knowledge about everything, it's not just knowledge of all the physical laws in the universe. It is not just full knowledge of all the biological laws in the universe. It is full knowledge of everything about you and me. Everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do, every relationship we're in. Uh, God's knowledge, I love what Psalm 147 verse 5, talking about God's knowledge. It says um, God's knowledge is also uh, knowledge of those things that have happened 
and those things that might still happen. All right? Those things that happen and those things that might still happen. Maybe call them the potential. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 147, verse 5. His understanding or his knowledge has no limit. God is not limited to the things that have already happened. God knows in advance what is going to happen. That also is comforting for us, that when you and I show up, and, and the reality of it is, none of us know what today holds, do we? We think we do, right? I think I know what today holds. I got a number of things on my, on my agenda and a number of things to do. We're going to have staff, uh, uh, staff prayer time and staff meeting in here. Then we're going to have a luncheon for all of our brand new interns. Then we've got several appointments in the afternoon and then one later in the evening. Uh, we have all of those. Those are things that, but you know, how many of you know that could change like that? One phone call and I could not make any of those things today. That's just, that, that's, the, that's, that's my life. That's probably also your life. One phone call, one bad turn, one, you know, some of you guys, all the outstanding warrants, you don't stop at the red light camera, um, you know, and guess where you are the next 48 hours. Uh, yeah, Rex, you're volunteering? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That, that was not, uh, uh, that, you know, and, and that was not a surprise to God. Now, it surprised us. It's painful to us. It, it hurts for us. But God can, in Romans 8, 28, turn something good out of something that is extremely bad. And, and we're crushed and we're hurt. And there's a church and there's family and there's kids. And, you know, all of that stuff is involved. But I want you to know, guys, nothing that happens to you in the future is a surprise to God. God's knowledge is both personal, but it covers the actual and the potential. What could happen and what we understand. Not only that, God's knowledge is incomprehensible. I love what God says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. He says, this is what God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor, nor your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. Lord. He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, this is God speaking, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. Man, I want you to know, you and I can never fathom. We can never see anything from God's full perspective. God can let us in on a little bit of his understanding and in on a little bit of his reasoning when we look in his word. But the reality of it is we will never see the full picture like God sees it. God sees the full tapestry from beginning to end, from creation of the universe till when he and his, uh, his son comes again to return to set up the new heaven and the new earth. God understands it all more than you and I ever will. So the first thing, if we want to talk about it, what is this God like? God is omniscient. He knows everything. There's not a thing that God does not know. And he loves us anyway. Uh, let me give you a second omni, and we'll see this. Uh, uh, we'll see this in Scripture. Second omni is uh, omnipresent. Not only does God know everything, God is everywhere present at the same time. God is uh, uh, everywhere present at the same time. There is not a place that God does not exist. Uh, God is here with us. Uh, God is, in a sense, everywhere at the same time. Now, this is different than. Um, 
Then those who refer to themselves as pantheists, where everything is God, those that see, uh, uh, you know, about 90% of the Disney movies, uh, where the trees are kind of God, you know, and the trees have this force and stuff like that. God is, God is not a tree. He's, not, he, he's everywhere personally present at the same time. He is omnipresent. There's never a place that God cannot be and uh, doesn't want to be. God's always available. God's always there, but he's always there in a personal way. Here's what the psalmist says. Back to Psalm 139, if you're there. Pick it up reading in verse uh, 7. Uh, here's what the psalmist says, talking about God's omnipresence, God's everywhere. He says, where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? He says, if I go up to the highest heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, the depths of Sheol, you're there. He says, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, God, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. He says, if I say, surely darkness will hide me, and light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light as day to you. And as we think about that, that uh, God is present everywhere. There's not a place you and I can go that God, doesn't, God can't show up. Uh, some of the most um, uh, interesting uh, testimonies that I've heard as a pastor, I would say kind of prodigal testimonies. That, uh, that people have run from God and run from God and found themselves uh, in some of the most God-forbidden places. And there they found God. Remember the prodigal son? Uh, he's out there. He's wasted everything. He's wasted his inheritance. He's out there feeding the pigs. And he comes to his senses. What happened? He had one of those God moments that said, you know what I need to do? I need to come back to my father's house. I need to go back to my father. I need to go confess my sin. And on his way back, what does he do? He says, man, I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell my father I'm not worried to be, or worthy of being your son anymore. I'll, I'll just be a servant. He goes, I'm going to confess my sins. And he says, I've sinned against you. That's what he rehearsed the whole way back. Now, the prodigal didn't stand out there and say, I'm a child of God. Therefore, God, give, tell my dad to come here and bring me some more. You know, there needs to be seasons of repentance. But there are no places that you and I could go that God doesn't show up. Those seasons that God will be there, those God moments, sometimes when you're on the far side of God's will, when you're in the darkest part of your sin, when you're in the most difficult place you can possibly imagine, that's where God still is. So guys, if you ever find, and I will tell you, this doesn't just have to do with location. Sometimes this has to do with emotion. Man, there are people that I've known, they struggle with the deep, dark emotions. And sometimes it's all right in here. Does that make sense? That I'm all alone. No one loves me. You're, 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 you have a prodigal mind. Anybody know what I'm talking You at least know what I'm talking about, right? That your mind has spent all the truth that you possibly have. And you can get to a place or a space where you say, no one loves me. No one cares for me. The world would be better off without me. I want you to know God will show up there. God will share up there, show up there in that season and tell you that's a lie. Because God will say, I created you, I created the way you are, and I'm showing up right here, and I'm with you. And so I want you to know, even in the furthest parts uh, of your disobedience, God cares and will show up. Even if you take on the wings of an eagle, even if you go to the far side of the sea, God 
is present and God is there. Now, as I think about what that presence brings, I, I think it should give us peace. Um, think about Psalm 23. Uh, when we think about God's presence being there, I love Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me and love these. He, 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 he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He says, even though I walk, he says, even though I walk through the valley uh, of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with the oil and my cup overflows. And then talking about his future, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, that gives us peace. What is Dave, David saying? He goes, man, it doesn't matter if I'm, I'm sitting at a table with my enemies and I'm surrounded. It doesn't matter if I'm in the darkest parts of my life. He says, God his presence, God is there, and God will bring us peace. I think there's another passage. God's, God's presence everywhere will bring us protection. I do believe that God protects His people. Uh, I can look back over my life, and I can think back over my life. There have been some clear times that God has protected me. There have been other seasons in, in life that I felt like God removed His hands from me and said, all right, that's kind of on you. Now, does that mean that, um, that Christians don't go through struggles? I always love to hear the testimony, and we oftentimes do, that, uh, you know, I was real, real tied in because I'm from the Houston area back a couple of years ago when they had that hurricane and everything around there flooded. There's some great testimonies of people giving testimony to the Lord that the Lord preserved their house. Does that make sense? Well, but there are another thousand Christians that lost their house. Does that make sense? Uh, so God protects us, which brings us peace, but there are times that God lets us go through stuff. There, there's nowhere in Scripture that we are promised that God will protect us from every earthly harm. Newsflash, all of us will die someday. Guys, if y'all didn't know that, the, the, the statistics are staggering. Uh, about one to one, all right? And so that doesn't mean that now, now what do we all want to do? We want to postpone that as long as we can, right? That's what we want to do. But there is a reality that it's going to come. It's going to show up. It, death will come our way, sometimes sooner, sometimes later. We don't know when. We don't know why. Our, our job is just to serve God. But as David says there, man, our job is to move through with peace. Look at Psalm 27, verse 1. He said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? This is God's protection. He said, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He says, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fail. He said, though the armies besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even though that, even in the midst of that, I will be confident. What is he saying? When we think about God's presence with us, his personal presence with us, we're not going to walk around afraid. That doesn't mean that there aren't times that we are going to experience the same thing everybody else does. But there are also times that I know that I've been preserved, that God has protected me from certain things, and then I want to give Him glory in those seasons and in those times. So we have God's uh, uh, omni-knowledge, His full knowledge. We have God's omnipresence, His full presence. Here's number three. You ready? God's omnipotence. 
God's omnipotence, his full power. God is all-powerful. God can do anything and everything. Go back to Psalm 139. I'll show you that from that wonderful Psalm, uh, Psalm 139. It says, for you created me. This is, uh, this is David speaking. He says, you created me in my, my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are too wonderful for me. This is power. I, will, um, I know them full well. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in this secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. He says, your eyes saw my own unformed body. All the days were ordained for me. They were written in your book before one of them even came into being. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. He says, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Then if you jump down to verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, as we think about that, God has the potential, the power, uh, to not only speak the world into existence, but then He can knit us together in our mother's womb. Think about the vast difference in that that he's involved in the details of speaking the world into existence, setting the, the stars and the, and the planets and the universes in their place, but he's also involved and has the power to knit us together in our mother's womb. As we think about God's omnipotence, let me give you a couple of thoughts. What about, remember what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 27? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What is he saying? God can do anything He wants to, right? God can do anything He wants to. I've seen God perform miracles, people that the doctor said, man, six months max, maybe three, and God stepped in and done some amazing things. God can do anything. He has full power. If He created the world, made it all, if He knit us together in our mother's womb, God can do anything. He's got the power for anything. What does He have the power for? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Uh, He's powerful enough to never get worn out. How many of you think that's a good thing as you age a little bit? He never gets worn out. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 20. He says, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary and tired? How many of you are glad that God doesn't just say, I'm going to take today off? I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. Man, God's just powerful. He doesn't get exhausted. Uh, God's got power over nature. You might want to write that down. Genesis 1.1. Remember, I encouraged you all to buy a Bible because you wouldn't have to read far to meet God. Guys, we can do that. In the beginning, what does it say? God created the heavens and the earth. God controls. He's powerful enough to control all of nature, to, uh, to create it all. Um, power over the enemies. What does Romans 8 say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, it's kind of interesting if you look at the actual translation there. It's a great translation. But if you look actually in the original language, the Greek words, it, it really means if God is for us, what does it matter who's against us? Does that make sense? Because there can be those who are against us. So when we think about that, if God is for us, no one can be against us. That's not what Paul is saying. Because if you read Romans chapter 8, he goes, man, he goes, I've been through nakedness. I've seen the sword. We've been beaten. We've been lashed. But in all these things, I am more than a conqueror 
The point is, he's saying when we understand God's power, it doesn't matter who our enemy is, right? Because God's got the power to overcome anyone and anything. Uh, God's got power over death, guys. Man, Shane shared this story. This This is what Scripture tells us over and over again. For those who trust God and believe in God, God has power over death. We talked about a little bit earlier that Jesus walked up to, um, to Lazarus' tomb. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. Why did he say Lazarus? Well, because had Jesus just said, all of y'all come forth, it would have been a crazy day. It would have been a zombie day, right? Zombie nation in the New Testament. But he had to identify, Lazarus, I want you to come forth. There is a truth that Scripture tells us over and over that although death is our worst enemy, how many of you know that? For us... You know, we, we, that is the one that, that we all are fearful of. We don't want to see it coming. But for God, He is so powerful, it doesn't matter. Because for the believer in Jesus Christ, our last breath on this earth immediately precedes our first breath in heaven. That's God's power, His omnipotence over death. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 4. You don't have to go there, I'll just read it to you. It says, For indeed He, talking about Jesus, was crucified because of weakness, His weakness in the flesh, yet He lives because of the power of God. I love that. Because of His weakness in the flesh, Jesus in His humanity, just like you and I, we can die, Right? But through the power of God, because of a relationship with God, we can live. Then if you read it on, Paul says, all right, now that's Jesus. Now let's talk about us. He says, therefore, we also are weak, just like Jesus. And someday we will die. Yet we shall also live with him, talking about Jesus. Why? Because of the power of God. Both times he said, Jesus died because of the weakness of his flesh, right? But because of the power of God, Resurrection Sunday, he raised him. Then Paul says, we're just like him. We are weak in our flesh, right? Our flesh is going to die. But as Christians, what's the power of God going to do? It's going to raise us again. So we looked at three omnis, right? His omniscience, his uh, omnipresence, uh, and his omnipotence. Here's a fourth one. I won't spend much time on this because we're over time. This is one that most people don't talk about. I, I'll just, I, I want to throw it out because kind of a rejection to what some of the other people teach, kind of the process theologians. I just want to add the word, he, he's omniperfect. He's fully perfect. God's not getting better at this God thing each and every day. He's omniperfect. He is completely just, and he's completely loving. Let me tell you what, even the best judge on earth can't be that all the time. But our God who is in heaven can be at the same time 100% just and 100% loving. He can be both of those things at the same time. I'll give you one verse that shows it. For the wages of sin is death. That's justice. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, I just pray your amazing blessings on these guys' lives. As we journey out, I pray each, each and every one of them would just journey in their vehicles, in their cars, whether it's breakfast and their meetings today. They would just sit back and ponder the ideas we discussed today that God knows everything. 
and he still loves me. That regardless of where I find myself today, God is still there. Regardless of the enemy I face today, God's power through me can overcome it. And regardless of my sin, God is fully just, but he's also amazingly and perfectly loving. God, let that empower each and every one of us today to succeed, but to succeed for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.